welcome to the Classical Happy Hour. I'm your host, Martin Davids. This is the show where my guests and I talk about music while enjoying a tasty beverage. Then we try to play some music together. <laughs> Today's guest is Michael Beatty. I'm totally keeping that. Hi, Michael. Hi, Marty. We're a little punchy. We've been rehearsing all day. so Yeah, it's great to finally get you here on the show. It's good to be here. Um, welcome to Chicago again. Um, so for my listeners who don't know you, can you tell tell me about what you do for work these days? Well, I live in Boston, and I split my time between an uh, administrative job at Emanuel Music, <clears throat> which is a, a group that does a Bach cantata every weekend, um, and then a lot of evening concerts. And so I'm basically... Um, kind of a contractor artistic administrator for that which is a part-time job and then when I'm not being an administrator I'm a freelance keyboard player harpsichordist organist even pianist if if I'm if people push me really hard <laughs> so I think I met you uh got it you were conducting like Chicago Opera Theater or something I think it was Tezio and I had I had stepped in for the conductor who withdrew um, I think that was, well, anyway. I, I feel like it was even before then, and you were like one of the keyboard players in the pit or something. Could be, could be. Anyway, yeah, it's been it's been at least 20 years, I think. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's been a while. Um, so, like, uh, tell me a little about your education. Like, how did you learn how to be a conductor slash organist, harpsichordist, pianist? Well, assuming that I've actually learned how to do that. <laughs> um, well, I, I trained as a pianist. So I went to the Eastman School as a kind of, I, I never I didn't ever think I was going to be a concert pianist. I was, you know, disputed of that idea. But, um, you know, I thought I'd be a accompanist and maybe an opera coach or something like that. And, um, and then, uh, so, so I was a piano major. And then after school, um, before I went to grad school, I, I injured my hand. Um, so I had to kind of reevaluate, you know, playing list transcendental etudes, for instance, was, you know, those days were definitely over. So I just was trying to figure out what to do. And I knew I liked to accompany. So I, I, I got a degree at BU in accompanying, mainly working with singers. And so I got sort of interested in, um, you know, collaborative playing. Um, and that took me eventually to, uh, to, to be uh, the rehearsal pianist for the Peter Sellers Mozart operas that were kind of a big deal back when you were probably a teenager. I don't know, back in the back in the nineties, eighties um, and nineties. <clears throat> and at that point, I met Craig Smith, who was music director of Emmanuel Music. He's now deceased, but he had created this program at Emmanuel Church of it's now about fifty-five years old of doing a Bach cantata every Sunday, uh, which back in the 70s was definitely a uh, an unusual you know nobody else in the country was doing it then that's not really the case anymore is it but um and so he you know he said well do you know how to read figures and i said well figured bass that is and i said oh yeah sure you know i didn't you know this it's one of those instances where we lie because we know this is an opportunity i don't want to pass up so i spent about five hours on a bach cantata you know trying to learn how to read the figures and and then, you know, over gradually over a couple of years, it, you know, the five hours turned into half an hour. And I kind of kind of like learning a language, you know, I just learned how to 
how to how to read the figures and uh, so that was kind of my backdoor entry into Baroque music. Um, and then I started, you know, playing harpsichord and um, got hired to, you know, got sort of thrown in the deep end various places to, to play continue. I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I'm really so envious of, of, you know, the young, young keyboard players now that there's, there's so many more people out there who know how to do it and know how to teach it. And when I was around, there just weren't that many people around you know, to, who really, who even could teach you how to read. I mean, people know how to read the figures, but, you know, the art of continual playing. And, and so I just learned mostly by listening and just failing every weekend on, on, on a Bach cantata and then pulling myself back together the next week and, um, you know, trying to do better than the week before. I don't know. I'm sort of, I'm sort of meandering here about this, this journey, but it, but it's interesting because it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't a standard way of kind of getting into the. So, I mean, let's let's just break it down a little. So, you were in Boston. Was there anybody in Boston that at that time that you could have gone to and said, "Teach me how to do this"? There were a couple of people. In fact, the, the there was a wonderful woman named uh, Suzanne Cleverton, who played the Bach cantatas and uh, before I did. And then she was sort of, she was, she had moved and she was playing occasionally. And so I would work with her. I worked with Mark Kroll a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and Pete, you know, Peter Sykes and I are basically contemporaries. He's a little bit older than I am. And I, I didn't ever study with him, but I, I listened to him a lot and I would go to rehearsals. Um, you know, that's mainly how I learned was just by listening and trying things out and, you know, you kind of you soon figure out what feel like work, what works and what doesn't work. You know, I mean, did you have access to like any of the treatises on it? Or? Well, I did have some. I mean, I I didn't I didn't really. I mean, I, I had no idea what I was doing at that point. So you know, gradually, I think I I I got some some sense of of where to look for those things. But at that point, I was so deep into it that mostly I I can't say that. You know, other than my you know, work with coaching singers, as far as my own playing was concerned, I, it was almost 80%, 90% instinct. And on the job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I was just lucky to be able to do it a lot, you know? So if, if I'd only been able to do it once every six weeks, I don't think I ever would have been able to actually get to be reasonably decent. <laughs> yeah. So if you're doing it week after week, I mean, you've got to start seeing a lot of the same progressions and things would get more familiar right yeah it's a language and and just the the idea of, of organ playing because I never trained as an organist at all <clears throat> and it's it's so much about articulation and about space and about registration and about density of, of the chord choices you know this is getting very scientific here but um, but you know, there's a just a, it, it, even though the figures themselves, for the most part, are pretty basic. You know, there's only a handful that come up a lot. What you do and how you voice, and you know, you know, it's a it's a real. Um, there are many bad ways to do it. <laughs> there's good ways too, many good ways too. But I discovered a lot of the bad ways. Let's let's put it that way. But if you're playing Bach every week, so it's all in German. How's your German? It's, I mean, I was able to, to uh, I studied a little bit of German and I, I just basically became fluent in whatever it was 
that I was working on. So I'd, I'd get to know the text and I'd write it in. And um, and and because I did some coaching of singers, I, I had basic knowledge of pronunciation and, and how the language fits together. And so you figured a lot of things out, like if you play more notes at once, it's louder. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Sometimes you want it loud, sometimes you want it soft. I'm yeah. sure you could help the once you understood what it was about. Yeah, I mean it's there's so many or if you if you have somebody who's playing or singing low and you play a chord that's like right on top of that sound, it's it's annoying. <laughs> it's an obstruction. So you think, oh, either I have to play less or I have to play higher, kind of out of the registration, out of the way. So I don't know. It's I don't know how many people find that scientific aspect interesting but we do <laughs> i mean it sounds like a fascinating way to you know you know i love how you accepted a job when you didn't even know how to do it <laughs> uh yeah i mean and certainly i mean i think anybody who conducts you know basically has to accept their first job before they know how to do it because that's they talk about on the job training yeah, how do you get experience if you never do it? You just you just have to do it. And then actually I got a lot of conducting experience with the cantatas as well because I started once I had played for a while, started conducting and again I didn't have any idea what I was doing, but um it's, you know, it's great music. It requires real sophistication and choices and um so I I learned. I still consider myself a keyboard player who can wave, you know, can conduct when coerced. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll confess to a similar type of a situation where the first time I was asked to play the four seasons, all four of them, you know, as the soloist, I didn't know all four of them, but I said that I did. And, you know, they offered me enough money that I was willing to learn them really well. Practice your ass off. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> and it was great. The concerts yeah. went really well. It didn't, no one cared or knew that I had never done it before. I think I think you just have to. I mean, I I had never played Messiah, and <clears throat> which is kind of amazing at age thirty or whatever it was I first played it, and I first played it in Symphony Hall with the Handel and Haydn Society and Christopher Hogwood conducting, and I didn't tell him that I'd never played the piece before. That's a good call, yeah. He may have known, but he didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but really, no one wants to know that. Nobody wants to know. Yeah. Just keep your insecurities to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so did you want to be a musician when you're growing up? I couldn't really do anything else. I mean, I was horrible at sports and, um, you know, not popular. You know, the, the classic um, kind of music, music geek, if you'll pardon the expression. Um, and so it just, it it's just something that I fell into. I wasn't, I was, wasn't particularly good in school, but... I had musical talent. My parents were both pianists, amateur pianists. <clears throat> so from a very young age, I was hearing, you know, great music. You know, maybe not the greatest playing, but you know, Beethoven, Opus One, Number One, piano trio in my living room when I was four. You know, so um, I kind of decided that that's what, that I wanted to to learn how to play. I didn't actually start until I was about nine. Um, but I, I was a quick learner. You know, a lot of people say it's an advantage to start at like four or five. Or, but people burn out too when they start early. 
Well, I was such a, I mean, I, I lived in a beautiful area and I spent a lot of time outside and a lot of adventuring with my friends, you know, as a really young, you know, seven and eight and nine year old. And I, I wasn't indoors practicing all day by any means. And I wouldn't trade that for anything, you know? Yeah. Cool. Um, so what kind of music did you like when you were growing up? Um, <clears throat> well, I had a, a sort of a, a mentor friend, sort of, I guess you could sort of sort of say gay uncle type, um, who, uh, who was very into opera, of course. And uh, he, he kind of got me interested in opera as a, as a, he was a friend of the family and he got me into opera and we went into the, to Boston to when the Met was still on tour and we'd, we'd go to operas and I got really into that. I got really inter interested in um, Benjamin Britten. I became sort of obsessed with his music as a teenager, learning all the operas and the Four Requiem and stuff like that. And it kind of went in cycles, you know, I, I, when I got to college, I, st I hadn't played any string chamber music. <clears throat> and then I became sort of obsessed with the, with the violin sonata, Beethoven violin sonatas, which you probably played most of them. Um, and by the time I was a senior, I had played all 10 sonatas with various violinists, you know. And so that was kind of a, that was kind of an obsession and like a lot of piano chamber music. But I wasn't, you know, I wasn't listening to Bach. I wasn't getting to know the Handel oratorios. I wasn't practicing Cooper. I wasn't, you know, just was completely Baroque music was like just a total, I mean, I had something I wasn't, I liked it, but I didn't know anything about it. And I wasn't at that point very interested in it, which is kind of strange. So, I mean, at, at this point, do you consider yourself like a Baroque guy or you're just a musician? I think, I mean, I'm pretty self-effacing when it comes to my knowledge of I mean people call me a baroque expert I think I know a lot about the repertoire but I just I come to this stuff still from you know I try to read the treatises when I can discipline myself and certainly do as much reading as I can but I'm an instinctive musician and I'm so interested in music of all periods so even though baroque music is almost exclusively what I get hired to do now um, and I don't object to it, but uh, it's certainly was not something I would have expected at all, even as a twenty-something. You know. Yeah, I mean, I consider myself more or less a Baroque violinist, but I'll play anything, and I I quite enjoy even playing the pop music, mm -hmm. if only as a relief from playing Baroque music all the time. <laughs> well, and I listen to a lot of rock and pop pop music as a teenager. Um, which which people who know me as an adult think seems really unlikely, <laughs> but I loved it. I I still listen to that stuff, you know, Steely Dan and Doobie Brothers, and you know that's that's those that's music of my youth, you know. Yeah, and it's good stuff. I mean, really. No, I like it. Um. Okay, so you play the piano, the organ, and the harpsichord. Do you play anything else? Nope. That's enough. Yeah. And you know, I don't play pedals. I don't I don't do the organ pedals. It's a sort of something I'm slightly proud of, you know. 
It's like, no, I, I don't do pedals. You know, some people don't do windows. I don't do pedals. <laughs> okay, so if you're playing a, a prelude in a, at a church, you're just using the keyboards. I just use the keyboards, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of pathetic, really, but I just never learned. Just I never was interested in, you know, it's like two hands is enough, you know? It's like... <laughs> yeah, it becomes like a workout. Yeah, and it's, well, it's just, you know, I... I, I I'm just not coordinated enough with the feet. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, tapping your toes is I can hard do enough. a pedal, you know, like find a low C and just hold it, you know. That's about the extent of it. <laughs> I mean, there are some pieces where there's a really long pedal. Maybe you could throw that in. I could, I could. <laughs> <laughs> if you played with pedals. <laughs> right. Well, the one thing that I love about my church job is that I, I play and or conduct the cantata sometimes conduct the, the chorus and motet literature but I don't play the hymns and I don't I don't do the church organ so that's not that's like the only church job I think I can imagine that I could actually do because it doesn't require me to play the pedals yeah so you've got people for that we do yeah that's good um so I don't know if you've ever thought about it but if you weren't a musician is there anything that you'd want to be doing well, it sounds sounds a little bit, well, I won't judge it. I'll just say, to me, I think if I were growing up, if I were younger and, you know, looking at the world the way it is now, I think I would want to get involved in some kind of, um, you know, alternative energy kind of, kind of thing. I'm really, that would be really interesting to, to be, to do something that could make, could contribute to the future being a little bit more less less alarming if that makes sense i also um i also really love gardening so it's it's i think whatever i did it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a an office job i wouldn't want to be in business or banking or you're not you a know. cubicle guy no 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 i mean i'm not i'm no athlete but i do i just like I like to move around. I like to, I don't like to be sitting in a chair all day. Yeah. I mean, even when you're sitting at the harpsichord or organ, you, you're not just sitting there. Not if I can help it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take breaks, stand up, you know. Well, uh, you'll be glad to know that this podcast is being powered by my solar panels right now. Excellent. I approve. <laughs> So, uh, what do you love about being a musician? I, I think that I like, what I love about it is that which is intangible. I mean, it's, it's not, it's creating something. I mean, it's obviously for the most part written down, although a lot of what I do isn't written down. Um, but and it's always different it always changes it's all you you can find a way to connect to the to the emotion channel your own emotions through you know anger and beauty and you know happiness and all that stuff so it's the I think it's the emotional connection to something that's not mechanical that's something that that the human race could probably survive without but but 
what makes our lives so much better. Um, it's true of anything in the arts, but I think music is special in that it's a, it's a, it's an oral thing, you know. What about you? I mean, I mean, yeah, I love losing myself in the sound, and I love thinking about things when I'm playing and trying to connect with other people mm -hmm. and sometimes you can just feel everyone in the audience and other times they're just not that into it <laughs> yeah that's true but it's the it is I guess that's the thing too about it it's like whatever I if I didn't do music, whatever I did, I would want to be something that was really collaborative and uniquely human. You know, um, it's music is is um, I don't know. I mean, you can obviously you can play a solo Bach partita. I can play a, either one of us could play our own version of a solo Bach partita, but. And I love doing that, and I and I love practicing solo music. But I have no, I get no pleasure out of performing solo music, mainly because of nerves and you know various. I I really, I really kind of need that connection with playing and with other musicians, singers, players. You know, um, whereas I think some people do really really well by themselves, and they make that connection with the audience. I like. I like the triangulation of myself, the other musicians, and the audience, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way mostly. I mean, I don't mind the occasional unaccompanied violin thing, but you just don't get the harmonic richness from a single violin that you can get from playing with other people, even just with a keyboard. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I, I do like simple sort of almost naked beautiful sounds mm -hmm. and I think those can be the most moving but uh, I, I love richness too just feeling enveloped and, and like a large sound is also really nice mm -hmm. loudness yeah I mean, I think it's funny when I go to the BSO I don't I usually go to the big stuff like a big Shostakovich symphony or Electra or um, you know, the things that, especially after the pandemic, you know, I was like, I want to hear some loud music making. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, just knock me out of my seat, you know? I think that's why so many people wear headphones because they really just feel the sound, you know? Yeah. It's, and it's great. It's not the same, is it? But it's, 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 it's such a, it's such a great thing. It's like, I've, my mom and sister, I'm always trying to get them to listen to various things and they'll, you know, they turn on their, turn on their computers and like, you can't, I'm sorry, you can't listen to it that way. You've got to listen to the headphones. And my sister's like, no, nah, I don't like, I don't like the way headphones feel. It's like, no, no, come on, you can't. It's not a great way to listen to music. It's true. Yeah. I mean, there aren't so many like audiophile stereos kicking around. People used to have their record player with the awesome speakers mm -hmm. and they would just sit in their living room and listen to records yeah i don't know anybody that does that now well i don't know what i when i was a student that's well we were 
I mean, what else are you going to do in the winter in Rochester? But we would, we would spend a lot of time late evening just you know listening to the latest high tink Mahler symphony or something and just you know it's great I, I miss that actually you know just kind of hanging out with people and just just listening to music you know but you know going to concerts is also great it's yeah well we want to encourage that yeah definitely <laughs> go to concerts folks yeah because no one's buying records anymore although feel free to go to uh, Bachfortu.com and order my latest album. <laughs> You're gonna plug? Is it time for a plug? <laughs> Just throwing that in there. Okay. Um, are you teaching anywhere? I, the only teaching I do, um, I I taught actually, um, a, an oratory or repertory class for singers at BU for years, and then the pandemic they sort of postponed the class, and then when they started up, they wanted to start it remotely, and I thought, oh yeah, I think, I think I'm done. <laughs> remotely oh, yeah kind of sad. for yeah for a performance class i just i mean i know people some people were able to do that successfully i i just couldn't i couldn't i couldn't face it so i sort of that sort of ended but i do teach at carmel um i do this uh adam's master class program for uh young singers you know a really emerging or emerged young professionals uh singers a quartet of singers and they come to the festival, the Bach, Carmel Bach Festival for the month of July, and they sing with a chorale, and I prepare it and conduct a concert with them. Um, and then we have a bunch of master classes that are usually, you know, not mostly not taught by me, actually. I usually play for them. And then, you know, contribute sort of pithy comments here and there. But um, I love to coach singers. That's my, my favorite kind of forum of teaching is, is to just work with singers on every aspect of performance um, and I think it's I think I have a, a, a an affinity for that I've never taught keyboard except for continuo here and there if somebody wants to come and work on just I like to teach continuo because there's so much there's so many things that I know that took me 30 years to learn and I'm thinking you know if somebody had just told me that that might have saved a little time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I do. I do enjoy that. Um, but I don't. I don't do a lot of teaching. I. It's part of the reason why I. I, I mean, I never been have been attracted to academia, um, for lots of, somewhat probably somewhat obvious reasons. But, um, I do. I. I do. That's one of the reasons why I took this administrative job, which I really enjoy, and, you know, allows me to be pretty choosy about, <clears throat> the. The musical things that I do. Well, I'm glad you chose to come out here today. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, you said you work with a lot of young singers over there. Do you have any advice for uh, upcoming uh, musicians or singers? Well, first of all, musicians are singers. <laughs> singers are musicians. I just have to. I just have to say that. Um, so uh, I, you know, I think the thing that, I mean, I am, I feel like I'm a, a sort of a fossil in a way. I mean, I'm 62 now, and um, and the music world and the music business, I think, has changed so. I mean, so much. I mean, the way I got into the to the music, into music would would not it probably wouldn't happen the same way now because there just aren't those opportunities. So certainly, when I work with young singers, especially, I just say, you know. 
you just have to be able to do anything. You have to learn to, to be as a, a, adaptable, uh, get, get as comfortable as many different styles, languages, periods of music, uh, sight reading, le you know, learning, learning, you know, just practice sight reading and learning a lot of music quickly because there's a lot of great people out there and the ones that are quick and can step in and impress, you know, on a dime, that's often the ones that end up working, I think. But I think there's a, there's also a kind of sort of business aspect of, I don't know, social media, accessibility, this, the, the whole thing, the whole conversation about accessibility that, that's not the kind of conversation, conversations we were having 20, 30 years ago. So, and I feel Ill, kind of ill-equipped to advise. In some cases, I feel like I have a lot to learn from the younger, younger musicians that way because they're just more out there trying different things. And um, I mean, I thinking about someone like Edwin that we were talking about who is just so comfortable in so many different uh, forums and uh, styles of music and, you know, I think he's he's really figured out how how things work today, which for me is still you know feel I feel like an old ulster. I'm just going along for the ride, you know. Well, you're working today. I'm working today. That's true. That's all we got. <laughs> okay, speaking of working, do you have anything cool coming up? Uh, what's coming up? Well, um, I mean, this week we've got. St. Matthew's yeah, Passion with Music of the Borough. That's right. That's that's coming up. And then right after that, um, we uh, of course it's Holy Week at Emmanuel, so I'll be doing a lot of a lot of stuff then. Um, and then I think I, this is embarrassing. I'm do I'm playing one of the Gluck operas. If one of the Iphigenias, just don't remember where he was on that particular. That particular opera, I haven't I haven't cracked the score yet, but I'm playing that with Boston Baroque, so that'll just be kind of harpsichord continuo. So that's gonna that's the next big project, I would say. And then, um, you know, Carmel is there's always a lot of preparation, you know, learning, programming, you know, programming the, the showcase concert for the for the students. And so Carmel, what uh, what time of year is that? It's July. The whole month. It's July, the whole month. Basically. Yeah. So it's and at that at that time of the year in California it's sweatshirt wet it's sweatshirt weather on the coast it's like very it's chilly and foggy well, and that a part of great California. place to be actually <laughs> yeah I mean if you don't like the heat and humidity it's it's a good place to be sounds okay okay um before we take a break here is there anything you want to ask me um well I, I how did you get started in music actually. You know, I, my parents uh, made me pick an instrument at age four, and I had to practice every day. I mean, more or less. Certainly didn't like set set a record for consecutive days or anything. I skipped any any possible days I could. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I had a lot of interests as a kid. My, you know, a lot of people in my family are scientists, so I thought about 
being an astronomer or a paleontologist or or something like that mm-hmm. but ended up just uh, majoring in music in college and then uh, just that's what I did and I think I've had a lot of experiences that affirm that it was the right choice I don't know have you ever just uh been on a job and there's some musician you really respect and you see them looking at you while you're performing and they just look at you like like they think you're great (laughs) (laughs) and you just feel like okay maybe I am doing the right thing here yeah I mean I think that it does happen (laughs) on on very occasionally (laughs) (laughs) it probably happens more than we think right it's just you know, when you actually look, we know what we're doing, right? I mean, we've we've been around the block. Yeah. So yeah, I just I don't know, wasn't creative enough, creative enough to think of anything else to do. It's kind of my kind of my situation, you know. I mean, it wasn't even it. I I mean, it was more. It's really I knew I knew that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I was really by the age of twelve, I was like, yeah, there's. And, and unfortunately, that was almost a bad thing in a way because I kind of just said, well, look, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to do well in school. I don't need to study, you know, I don't, and I, I wish that I had been a little more curious about, you know, all my other subjects. I was just mostly wanted to practice and do the musical and, you know. Yeah, I always kind of underachieved, but I don't think it's because, uh, you know, maybe I just wasn't that interested in studying, but when I applied myself, I always did really well. And yeah, every report card would be Marty's not living up to his potential. Oh yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's not get too deep into that. No, um, no, no. We could analyze too. Yeah, life is good now. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna take a little break and come back and play something. Uh, please uh, rate this podcast and tell your friends about it and you can uh, sign up as a subscriber too and uh, send a little money our way and uh, to get me to keep making lots of new episodes we've got some subscribers I'm very grateful for you Um, always ready to welcome more though Um, okay Uh, we'll be right back (laughs) 